As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shakos Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscal, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, uh, only when the Canada team beats USA for the bronze medal on a Sunday morning, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Hey, I mean, A, thank you for doing this early, uh, your time, and B, wow, what a game. What a game. Um, I watched the first two hours in a very nice way, just myself front of my tv then i had lunch with the entire family and so i was looking at the cell phone like oh <laughs> wh- what is happening right now like why why is Mikel bridges alone he took the free throw and then like how how that nobody- was crazy yeah. that was so crazy because it just felt like okay we're gonna go through the free throw motions here canada's gonna win yeah. and yeah she's gonna take them it's going to be fine yeah I was rooting heavily for Canada. I was not prepared <laughs> to the emotion that I mean, Canada has to win now. Like they have to. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm a U.S. citizen. I kind of felt the same way. It was just, I mean, it's just fun to watch Shay Shay like, dominate. Hater. I know, I know, I know. I mess. I it's it's messed up. But if you're going to DNP CD Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Ingram, I had no choice. I had no choice yeah. to switch my allegiance. Uh, but okay. yeah, that Mikael Bridges shot. You're a big, Will you're a big, uh, JJJ guy? I like JJJ. Yeah, he was not very good in the tournament, but no. I mean, but yeah, that Bridges shot was unbelievable. He got his own rebound off the free throw, relocates to the corner so quickly, nails the three to t- to tie the game, and I think everybody was just in shock. But it was a yeah. uh, just delayed the inevitable. As Shea started, I think he scored the first seven points of overtime mm-hmm. on his own. Yeah. And did it 
with a, like this pull-up jumper. He absolutely embarrassed Mikael Bridges. Mm-hmm. Basically, they were trying to trap him every time he had the ball. Yeah, and so they went for a trap. Shay did his like signature stop and start. Puts Bridges on his butt. Step back three on Reeves. Swish, which yeah, that, like that was. That's the, was that was the play of the game. Second. It was unbelievable. I just could not believe that he. I mean, he was obviously and clearly, and shouts to Dylan Brooks, but he was obviously and clearly the best player on the floor. Um, and he's sharing it with with Halliburton and Bridges and Edwards and Brunson and Walker Kessler, and he's just obviously the best player. Yeah, and it was not my favorite shot of the night, just because I I felt in in love of that motion that he had in the fourth, where he was guarded by three guys, I think, including Kessler, hand raised, and it was just moving, probing like shoulders, and then he makes this fake. And with one hand, he was able to lay it in with a with an insane spin on the ball, and one that was wow! Like, how can you do this? Yep. And and yeah, I mean, if you look, if you listen to the um, general NBA media, uh, like national media, it's wow! I can't wait to see Holly Burton with the Pacers. And don't get me wrong, we we felt we we really liked Tyrese. Uh, in our draft coverage, it's a player that I really like. Good player. But it's like, hey, I mean, Shea is totally another level. Like, we are not talking about apples and apples here. It's 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 like, no, these are two very different players mm-hmm. in terms of tiers and ranking. There should be at least a tier in between Shea and Tyrese. Yeah, I think and that's Shea, accurate. I mean, Brooks was awesome. Brooks took... yeah. 10 very, very good trees that Shea manufactured mm-hmm. on his own, yeah. basically. It's it's not 10, it's probably 6 or 7, the ones that Shea passed, uh, where Shea passed him open. But the first few actions of the, of the game, it was Shea creating offense and finding Brooks wide open yep. at all times yep. and, and delivering perfect passes. And it takes a while to, to go from, hey, I'm hitting 4 out of 10 to 8 out of 10. So... Mm-hmm. Props to Brooks. He was awesome. But the engine of the team, the, the force behind all this, the guy who the entire American team was laser-focused on was Shea. Yep. And he delivered big time again, which, I mean, I didn't watch Serbia. So I, I don't know uh, about that game. I I couldn't, like, recoup the game. So I, I don't know what happened there. But in the three games that I watched against Spain, against Luca, and against Team USA, Shea was basically in total control of the game. Yeah. And this is exactly what a top 10 NBA player, top five maybe, does in FIBA. Mm-hmm. Like, the game is mine. And, and I will be able to mold and to bend defenses to my um, decisions. And, and Shea was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Credit to him. It was insane. And, I mean, it's the best way to end uh, FIBA, I would say, for them. Yeah, I mean, the Canadian national team hasn't medaled in FIBA. And so just to like get a medal yeah. for FIBA is a huge deal. And 
You know, the U.S. just didn't have anybody that could adequately defend Shea. Not that that many players in the world exist that can Mm -hmm. adequately defend Shea. Probably two are on Canada team. Yeah, those two would do a better job than what any of these guys did. Bridges is not physical enough with Mm -hmm. him. Like Bridges, Marcus Smart is probably the best. Smart would have been good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, Edwards couldn't do it. Uh, Josh Hart fouled out trying to do it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, and you're right. Mikel is not physical enough. He's a great player. Um, We'll talk about him in the next part of the podcast. I'm sure. Um, He was. He was the best player in FIBA, for USA in this FIBA tournament. So yeah, props to him, credit to him. He spent a ton of energy on offense. And so you, you, you can't really ask him to be also the best defender. But Shea needs a very specific type of defender. Either you have a guy like Aaron Gordon, like um, Herb Jones, he's tall, strong, physical, or you need a very, very, very thick and physical dude, mm-hmm. which... Mikel Bridges is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's not. And Bridges did all he could, I thought. But a lot of times they'd get Reeves switched on to Shea, and then it was just over. And Reeves yeah. had a really good offensive tournament. Like, I don't mean to demean him because I, like he shot the ball nope. well, shot free throws well. But defensively, he's got, like, nothing on a lot of guys. I mean, that's it was a problem against Germany. And it was a huge problem against the USA is that they decided to close games with Austin Reeves. And it was basically just, here's how you get a bucket is you just find Austin Reeves, you know? Yeah. And that's, and yeah. they scored almost every single time that, yeah. um, that Shea got that switch. And then if not, you know, if the trap worked, he was finding Dylan Brooks and Dylan Brooks didn't only just hit like spot up threes from Shea or spot up, you know, easy shots from him. He had to create some stuff too. Yeah, and play and played well, and defensively gave it his all. I mean, he was yeah. he was crazy good. Thirty nine points, <laughs> four four boards, five assists. He was great. Uh, stayed out of foul trouble too, which was yeah. pretty key. Uh, Dort almost fouled out of this game. Dort played well too. Like this was yeah. honestly a great version of Dort. I thought. Yeah, where he's not super involved in all the actions he's if he's there if you need him kind of thing on offense and then defensively he's just giving all he's got you know he played 32 minutes in this game Shea played 40 minutes in this one and can i say something really mean i mean if it's about dort you know you better hold your tongue all right go. no it's not about dort all right go ahead no i think that the tonight dort had probably two bad moments in the game, which yeah. is completely okay. He rushed the three at the beginning of the game where he tried to shut himself into the game. Classic. And he had a possession where Canada was rolling, 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 and he took like one really bad door possession. But that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, as you mentioned, he was very composed in offense for the most part. He was very good in defense, and he was part of every good lineup mm-hmm. that Canada had against USA. Speaking of lineup, and lineups, plural. What happened? What what the heck happened in the second quarter? Where Canada switched in Asian and Edu and like all this. I mean, it's the US. You're winning by 10. Great. What are you doing? Well, and it's, I mean, the, it's the US that's playing Walker Kessler and Bobby Portis. 
Yeah, exactly. There's no. What are we doing? Here? There's no Shaquille O'Neal or guys. And even if it was, like, please don't do it. Yeah, don't he do played. Yeah. He played two point five minutes, and it was minus minus fifteen, and you could tell that that was exactly what happened in the court. It felt like minus a thousand. I mean, he just he he should have been out there to wow. rebound, but like couldn't even rebound. I think he had one rebound. Yeah, um, I mean, Dylan Brooks saw that he was not. Absolutely not boxing out. Yeah. Portis, he had to do it, or Kessler, he had to do it himself. While And that's why uh, Mikel Bridges was open in the corner. Yeah. It's because Dylan Brooks was going after the, the, the box out because otherwise it was a Team USA rebound because it was so, so slow that he was not able to, to get a position. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. Like, it was, was... like this, this game should have been a 20-point Canada win in regulation. Yeah. That was the actual product in the court. It was this 15 minutes where for some reason, Canada tried really hard to tank this game and to ruin everything. It happens like, yeah. it feels like that happens every game though with Canada. Is that they just, yeah, it, they just find these spots in the game where they just completely wet themselves and then yeah. just hope that Shea and Dylan Brooks can deliver something for them. Yeah, and weirdly enough, it's not enough to put Edie on the on the court as a center. You put Olenek at the four, like yeah. To like, to to their credit, they did not play Olenek or Zach Edie that much. And like the guys that sure the guys that they played, it was, it was Dort, Shea, Dwight Powell, R.J. Dylan Brooks. Like those were their guys, and they stuck with them. They played Nikhil seventeen minutes. I feel like he could have played twenty five minutes. Exactly. You know, just play seven guys. Yeah. In FIBA is more than enough uh-huh. to win a basketball game. Just play Olenek as the lone center whenever you need to give Powell a breather and just play now. Yeah. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Water and uh, Water Walker. And, and that's fine. That mm-hmm. that that is a perfectly fine rotation. Mm-hmm. If you need to put like Ejim there for five minutes, okay. But putting like Ejim and Olenek and Zagidi. At the same time, like, what the heck, man? Yeah. Like, what are you expecting from those lineups? Yeah. Was, yeah. Like, just, okay. It's, no. Well, I mean, the U.S. struggled even more, I thought, lineup-wise. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, they're just trying things that they hadn't done the entire tournament. Yeah. You know? Is this the time to experiment? Like, like let's throw Cam Johnson out there. You haven't played hardly any. Let's see what you got. Uh, yeah. I think he could have played more throughout the tournament. Anyways, uh, let's not play Triple J, Paolo, or Brandon Ingram. You know, they didn't play any of those guys. Yeah. That, I thought that was interesting. You know, Josh yeah, Hart. Those, were, those guys were, like, sick. Like, really sick. I think they had, like, food food poisoning or, or something like that. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You got to do what you got to do if you're Steve Kerr. If you don't want to play those guys, if you gotta, you gotta throw something in their food the night before. You just got to do it. You know, <laughs> they were obviously guys that they didn't want to play. Yeah. You know, I know, I know that they were not well, but also, mm-hmm. would anybody be surprised if those were healthy DMPCDs? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, like Josh Hart fouled out in this game in 22 minutes. I thought that was interesting. Jalen Brunson, who was like pegged as the leader of Team USA, like Mm-mm. slowly became like, oh my gosh, like he's 
basically like a six man type of role where he plays mm-hmm. like 20 minutes a game. Uh, Edwards was the guy and played pretty well. He was nine of 20 from the field for 24 points. Um, but you know, couldn't get, couldn't make shots down the stretch for the USA. Yeah. And that was kind of the difference between he and Shea. He tried to, it was kind of a cool moment where Shea goes down the court, hits a pull up J Edwards tries to do the same thing, comes down and misses, you know, yeah. that's just kind of the nights that both those guys had. Uh, and Shea just looked better doing it. And he was, Shea finished with, if I don't know that we've said this yet, 31 points, six boards, 12 assists, only one turnover. And he's, that's just insane. That's, that, that, that's, that's stat right there. It's insane. I think he's averaging like 1.3, 1.5 for yeah, the tournament. Yeah, it's less than two, which yeah. is wild with the amount of responsibilities that he had in this yeah. game and the amount of passing that he did in this game. I mean, it's crazy. 11 of 20 from the field, 10 of 17 from two, one of three from three. The one three was extremely memorable. And then mm-hmm. eight of eight from the free throw line. Uh, he was awesome in this one. Had an efficiency score of 40, uh, only to be beaten by Dylan Brooks. Dylan had, Brooks, 42. 42. And then nobody on the USA team had above 23, which was yeah. Gail Bridges. So... Yeah, I, you know, the U.S. doesn't win in the FIBA World Cup a lot. <laughs> you know, like that's becoming kind of a thing because they send their B squad that doesn't have a ton of experience of playing together. And yet still, like, their talent is pretty overwhelming compared to everybody else. And mm-hmm. like, they still should have won this tournament if you just, like, stack up the talent. Um, Shea yeah. had never played FIBA before. You know, so it's not like Canada has like this crazy advantage and that these guys have been playing together forever kind of thing. Um, no. You know, it's it's not, I mean, this is uh, twice in a row. I mean, I guess uh, Trey Kirby said that on Twitter that um, the U.S. hadn't medaled since 2014 mm-hmm. in FIBA. So it's, uh, that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. But congrats to the Canadian national team, uh, Shea, Obviously, just ready to springboard into this NBA season. Um, yeah, I am so excited to continue to watch Shea play basketball. And if you're a Thunder fan, man, you're lucky to have Shea on your team because <laughs> this is seriously one of the best players in the world. And if you're Team Canada, who is qualified for the Olympics, and you have Shea and I think I mean, I think you're going to get Jamal as long as he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you can get Andrew Wiggins to join the bunch, I mean, like... Uh, that will be extremely helpful for the Olympics. Yes. Like, and then you pair them with, obviously, like, Dort and RJ and Brooks. Man, that's it's a squad. Like, that's, that's how you... Yeah. You can defend the USA. And they did today with Brooks and Dort. And using those can two I, to just hound Can them. I give a shout to a player that we didn't mention yeah. at all, yeah. which I think was crucial in the last three games. Again, I, I don't know about Serbia. But Dwight Powell yeah. is kind of amazing for what they do. Um, they needed him. He He's a guy that can really help you when, when you switch picking roles. He was the reason why Luka Doncic was not able to destroy Canada because whenever you're switching to Powell, he's a guy that can guard anybody. 
in pick and roll settings. Now, it doesn't give you cl close to anything on offense, uh, unless you create from dunker spot for him or you're giving him like a wide open dunk. But he is the guy that can hold on a defense um, because of his switchability and the fact that he doesn't take possessions off. He's just there like hustling every single possession. And he was awesome. Um, it was often awesome in the tournament for what he does, like defending, being a like a very good screener on offense, just being in the right spot on offense to to get those three, four, five possessions you create for him. So props to him again. Um, Shea was awesome. Brooks was insane in a couple of games, uh, but Dwight Powell is also deserving um, a shout out because he was very, very good, very, very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very impressive. Very, very impressive. It's it's worth going at least watching the highlights. If you can watch just the fourth quarter in overtime, I would. Or if you yeah. even want to watch less than that, just watch overtime. Because like the first few minutes of it, Shea just snatched it. Yeah. From the US. And they could start from the they couldn't do start anything. from like two possessions left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like a minute or two left. Yeah. Watch how USA go, goes back into the game and then just watch Shea destroying everything and everyone. Yeah. They're tied at 100, I think. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable what he did. And the U.S. literally threw everything at him. At him. Everything. It's not that, hey, we're, yeah, we're guiding you 1-1. One, one. No, 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 no. Double, it's, triple teams. Hey. Like, get the ball out of his hands. Like, do everything that you can. Mm -hmm. And... Luckily for Canada, it was one of Dylan Brooks's nights, but he was. Those moments were created by Shea, and the attention yeah. that he created, and the fact that you know he didn't turn the ball over. He was throwing incredible passes, and I cannot wait to see Shea play with with Chet and with a like new like beefed up J Dub and Giddy. And Mitsich and all these guys. I mean, it's going to be incredible to see what yeah. he can do. I mean, I think it felt like, okay, like, has Shea hit his ceiling last year? I just don't think so. I think that he's got top, I mean, he was all NBA last year, but I think like everybody will think of him as a top five level player in the league. Top five in MPP voting. Yeah, I think that he could be top three in MVP voting this year. If the Thunder can be like in the playoff picture throughout the season, mm -hmm. he could win it. Like the Thunder could could have another MVP on their hands with this guy. Like that's possible. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it, but it's certainly possible. Well, uh, according to Francis McCarty, he's paying two thousand for MVP. Hey, so I would. I'm not a betting person. I don't bet. Um, but hey, I don't it either. It doesn't sound like like a bet that is terrible if you're betting. Yeah, just go put twenty bucks on it, see what happens. Um, yeah. okay, let's take a quick break. After the break, we I've got four questions from McKelly about the Thunder. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, McKelly, I have four questions for you about wow. this Thunder team. They're all very random. They're just like questions I had just floating around my brain that I uh, put down on paper last night. So question number one, what swing skill would propel a Thunder player from being a fringe rotation player into a top eight rotation player? So we're talking about guys who are unlikely to play big roles on this team that could suddenly become like part of like the key core rotation that plays in a play-in game or in the playoff game or in these in-season tournament games. You know, so we're talking at the moment players that I don't think would be in like a top eight. Uh, Poku, Trey Man, JRE. Usman Jang. Jay Will. Uh, maybe Jay Will. Jay Will could already be part of that. Wiggins is part of probably. Um, yeah. Is there anybody that you just think, if they could just improve this one thing, they could be like a huge contributor to what the Thunder are doing? Um. So, uh, of course, if you if you... Uh, think about, for example, Wiggins, and you say, okay, let's 
transform him into a 45% free throw, a three-point shooter. Yeah. Um, that would be ideal. But I, I don't think that this is the uh, heart of the quest. And the heart of the question is, hey, is there a guy that you can foresee adding something, like reasonably adding something that can propel him to be there? I have two names for that. The first one is Usman Jang. Um, I think that, and you discussed it on the Fry Pod and in many other podcasts that you did over the past few weeks. OKC is trying to to be the tallest, the um, a, a, tall, a tall team with a lot of skilled guys, and Usman Jang fits that to a T. He can do stuff with the ball. He's a decent offensive player, uh, not consistent, um, but a decent offensive player. The thing that he lacks is physicality. Yeah. So um, Giddy from year one to year two improved quite a lot on that end. It was not physical. It was like not searching for contact, nor using the contacts as something that is part of the game. Um, and Usman Jang has to do that in two parts of his game, rebounding and and just being a physical guy on offense. Just putting put your shoulder into guys when you are going at the basket just draw like create a lot of charges if you need to just dismantle guys you are 611 um you're a beast just show everybody that if that happens like he can get to, into a starting job eventually maybe not next season but he is good defensively he's a guy that understands really what defense is about yep and you don't necessarily need to start with Ludort as your defender uh you may need door to close games against certain guys, but if Jeng gives you good enough defense where while being physical on the rebounding department and on the finishing part, while being serviceable in hitting spot up shooting, spot up shots, that is a swing skill that can propel him into an eight man rotation. And the second one is consistency from three from three man, because three man is a guy that I know that is if you think about him now you don't see him in the concept of this team yeah because he, they they got case on walls they got mitzich but both of those guys are not able to create offense at the same rate that trey can yeah for trey it's just about believing in himself and being consistent with his shot dropping um i think it is third or second in attempts from three he hit 31 percent, which is not trey man trey man yeah. is a 40 percent kind of guy yeah and he can get there. It's all mental. It's not about his hands or his motion or his shot selection. It's about, hey, you need to be there with your mind, which is probably harder than teaching Jang to put his shoulder onto a chest and just be there with his body. So I would pick this too. Yeah. No, I think both are very good. I think Jang is such an interesting guy going into the season. Mm -hmm. And he's still really young. I think there's still time for him to develop, even if this is not his season where he becomes mm -hmm. a part of the rotation. So I'm not necessarily like expecting or thinking that he should hit a certain level. Uh, I also just don't know if he'll ever have like that like grit and grind mentality, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. I don't think. He, I don't think that he needs to have that to be successful. I think he can be successful um, even being more of a finesse type of player. 
I think that sometimes mm-hmm. you need lots of different kinds of players to make a team. And I think Jang being more of a finesse player is okay. I think it's, but I do think it's harder to be that kind of player and be a role player on a team. Mm-hmm. I think that the guys that really carve out roles um, that don't like take a ton of possessions are typically guys like PJ Tucker and Dort and, you know, I think of like Andre, you know, carved out a really nice role and didn't take mm-hmm. a ton of possessions on offense. Um, Jang is going to be a really interesting to watch to see how his career pans out in Oklahoma city, because I think he's got a, obviously has like super high ceiling, super low floor. Like he could, Mm -hmm. you know, he could be out of the league in four years or he could be a top eight guy in four years. I just don't, don't have any clue where this is heading. Um, But I think it's about consistency with him and maybe not physicality with him, but consistently engaging yourself in the game. Yeah, which is to me a a little different than the physicality portion. I would love for him to be more physical. I would love to just put, you know, Dort's physicality. In it doesn't have to body. be Dort, but Shea is a is a really is a finesse guy first, Shay. But he's but physical. Hell, he's physical. He's physical. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. He's he's definitely like a very interesting wild card. Where if he can be a rotation guy this year they kind of need someone his size with his skill set oh yeah you know compared to a lot of the guards you know i think that they have enough guards i do think if jang can be consistent enough to play they need a 610 611 forward that can who play. doesn't <laughs> yeah it's true you can play on the wing you can play as your four i think that he is definitely a very, very interesting one uh, for this. I also just, and and I know Lindy's a, a two-way player, but if Lindy can be, I think he's a good shooter. If Lindy could be a great shooter, which I think is possible. Great means like 42 40, and above. Yeah. Then, because Lindy's interesting because he's big. Like yeah, he's, he's big and physical. Like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, yeah. Can defend. That to me is interesting. If he's what he was last year, thirty five point eight percent, like that's just not that's not good enough to like really make it. But if he was forty four percent from three, you're gonna make it. Like that, like yeah, I mean, yeah. That that to me is a possible swing skill for him. That if he can just lock in. That, that he could do it. So that to me is is another kind of very off the radar, <laughs> interesting one for me that I think is possible. Because I just, like you could say the same thing for like Wiggins or JRE. Um, I just don't believe that those guys are 45% three-point no, shooters. No. You know, That's also you being a, such a OSU homer hey, right there. Got the W last night. Got the W last night. Late, late night. It's uh if if you are a FIBA watcher and an OSU fan, uh, that's just they're both both are just robbing you <laughs> of sleep right now. Um, okay, next question: the opposite. What player that we assume is going to be in the top eight or nine has a chance to fall out of the rotation because one of their swing skills um, diminishes? 
two guys for the same reasons. Um, I think that Isaiah Joe is a guy that can slip. If he has a starting of the season where it's the same as the last part of the season where he shots 34%, it's the same, like it's the argument we the, the discussion we just had for for Lindy, mm-hmm. like thirty five percent no value, forty five percent huge value. Yeah, totally. Um, there are in betweens. Like I don't think that if Isaiah Joe starts off and shots thirty eight point five percent, he will be out of the rotation. That's not the case. But if he goes below that level, it's going to be hard. Yeah, and and then it's going to be. I was I was going Dort, but I don't want to go Dort. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, Dort would basically have to not defend at the same level. Yeah, but if it does defense, but doesn't improve on offense, I don't think it will have the same impact. He'll be a top eight guy no matter what. I wonder if he's going to be a top six guy the, if the if the offense doesn't um, if the offense stays at the same level. I think he will be a top six kind of guy. Yeah. If he drops, um, I wonder if Kenrich with free throws and trees can be a guy that is only used situational. Because, I mean, the free throws last year were an issue a in problem. a couple of games. That's a problem. Uh, so he can't close. But the three point shooting is what he's good at, but it's also very shaky. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, his touch is not great. And you can see that from the free throw line. And he has these moments where he takes these pull-up jumpers and he takes these threes and they go in. But if that starts to change, it's hard. Because the reason why Kendrick is so good is that on offense, he is very efficient. And if it's not, then I don't think he's on the same level as Dort as a defender. He's a better passer and decision maker than Dort. Um but he needs to be as good shooting wise, which is not a given for mm-hmm. Kenridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was thirty-seven percent from three last year. Only six percentage points better from the free throw line at forty-three percent. He was seventeen of thirty-nine from the free throw line last year, and fifty yeah. of one thirty-four from three. There can't be that many players that made more three pointers than than free throws. In the in the NBA, do you think? Yeah, I There's I can't think some. of a player that you will never know is not an NBA player. But this guy was a Lithuanian guy named Mindaugas Katilinas, who was a guy that played, I think, at Chattanooga okay. in, in the NCAA, and he was awesome uh, for the second league in Italy. But he was just not able to eat free throws while being like a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter. He was a big man, um, great guy, but. Um, I don't know. Free throws were just not his thing. I guess PJ Tucker would be a guy that probably made more threes than free throws. Bruce Bowen was also yeah, a guy yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He <clears throat> he's very similar to Kenrich last year. Um, mm-hmm. Nineteen of twenty three from the free throw line for PJ. He took twenty three free throws. He played <laughs> two thousand minutes last year. And he took twenty three yeah. free throws. That's wild. Um, but he hit a floater against OKC that like, got Houston the W. was probably one of the 20 times that he actually got close to the, to the, to the hoop in crazy. that season. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I could see that. 
with Kenrich too. But he and Dort both just have like a mentality that the Thunder need. Like if you took yeah. away those two from this team, um, it's it's tough. I mean, it's I mean, I know people in hindsight kind of look back at Nicholson and what he did for the Thunder and think like, why did they retire this guy's jersey? Like, what's going on here? Um, mm-hmm. If you're saying that like you clearly didn't watch him because. No. He brought like a certain energy and mentality to the team that they needed. And, you know, Perk was another guy that did that. Tabo did that. I Andre wonder did that. What's the role of Chet in all this? As far as mentality? Because, yeah. It's because like, I think that Chet definitely has it. Oh, he's got that. He's mentality. a dog. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely And if he's has the it. guy who puts the, the defensive identity and mentality, a, that is going to be great news for OKC, and yeah, B, sure. that is also going to be to allow OKC to be way more flexible in offense. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, next question. Which of the following players would you most like the Thunder to trade for that would allow them to kind of kick this like Bertans, Oladipo, bloated contracts down the road a little bit and maybe collect some assets? Um, Clint Capella who has one year left after this year at $22.2 million. If Atlanta gave you two seconds. No. Okay. Malcolm Brogdon makes $22.5 million after this after this season. Um, it's a lot. I think you could probably get a couple seconds from Boston. No. Don't like that. Alonzo uh, Ball, who makes $21.3 million. He mm-hmm. is coming off surgery again and is basically going to need a chance to get his career back on track. But he will make $21.3 million in his final year player option. You best believe he's picking up that player option. Um, he is the most interesting for now. Yeah. It's just taking a flyer. Like, it's very slim of a flyer because I'm sure that he will not play. Mm-hmm. But he's tall. He thinks the game at a high level. He can hit trees and he, he used to play defense. Yeah. So, if I, and he could play in at least three different roles for mm-hmm. OKC, not the four spot, but I one, two, three, yes. So, he's a guy that if Chicago gives me two seconds, I, well, okay, depending on what I want to do with my guys, I don't think Alonzo will come here and be the man or demanding possessions. He will actually not be part of the rotation, at least until the All-Star break. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is that is someone where I can see, okay, it's a bet. It's probably amount to nothing. Yeah. I'll get one or two seconds, and and that's okay. I yeah. don't think that Chicago does it for if you ha- they have to do a couple of seconds for the same reason. Yeah, probably not. This is just like a cost-saving move only or like a cap yeah. space generation type of move. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that one. I just I think Lonzo would be great with the Thunder if he could play. Like he would yeah. be legitimately great. And I think he can play one through four in certain lineups. In certain, yeah. Um, yeah, not every lineup can you play the four, but like he's got good size. 
Mm-hmm. And he's six could, seven could certainly play the three, you know, could certainly play mm-hmm. one through three. Not that they won't really even need him to play the four, but I'm just talking about like switching. Um, yeah. But if he can shoot, he can pass. Like he definitely plays like a Thunder brand of basketball. Yeah. Um, in all likelihood, his career probably won't get back on track, which is a huge bummer. Um, yeah. All right. Next one. Another injury guy that just needs to get his career back on track. Jonathan Isaac at 17.4. Um, that's what he'll have in his last year in the 24-25 season. I would do it, but why would Orlando entertain something like that? Are they liking Bertans shooting all that much, bringing back all the depot? Like, I would do that. I would probably do that even if I don't get an asset, just to flip flop to counter getting. Well, maybe an asset you need because you're basically taking on 12 million for. 2024, 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a bet that if it works, it's going to change a lot for yeah. you because you need, like, he's not Jang. He's not very similar to Jang. Um, he used to be a very high defensive prospect with shooting ability, um, not really a passing guy, um, but, but he's a guy that will work. Yep. Yeah, he is... Yeah, he's interesting to me too. I, again, similar to Lonzo, where you just have to have like absolutely like rock bottom expectations for this guy. But if like you have like 5% chance that this works out, it's like, could be pretty nice. Uh, last one, you probably have to give up an asset to get this guy. Um, but I think he's also interesting as a four. What about Denny Abdia? Who has you could basically give Oladipo for him? So you're asking me to give up an asset for a guy that I hated <laughs> through the entire draft process? No, you still hate him. I would not. Yeah, he can defend. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't do much for me. I it's a guy that doesn't pop for me. I would not give an asset for that guy. I I understand what his role can be. A I, second, I would much rather give a second. No. Okay. Nope. All right. Uh, question for you mm-hmm. right now. Um, what are you suppose that um, Shay comes to your door as Sam Price and say, Hey, hey, Sam, I had a very, very long conversation with a guy at FIBA. He really wants to get out of Brooklyn and he wants to play with me. He's going to stay four years. You can put it in writing even if you can't right now. But Mikel Bridges wants to play with me. He will give anything to play with me right now you have to get him here what are you offering oh boy um so they're gonna want a lot for bridges yeah like a whole lot yeah and like they're gonna want like picks and a young one of the young guys yep um, it's going to be four picks and one of the guys, I think. Yeah, I think that that's right. Uh, gosh, I mean, he just signed his deal, and he's team contract, team control for four years. Yeah, he's got through twenty twenty six, so he's got three more years left. Yeah, 
I don't know why Spartak has four, but yeah, probably they're not they're counting um last season. The current. Yeah. I gosh. I don't know, man. Would you um He's I'm obviously you where very I good. Am. And he would definitely fit he definitely fits what they want to do as far as like an offensive player, like great shooter, good enough defender. Um, like he could definitely be like a Chris Middleton kind of guy for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's probably foolish of me to say like no to this um, in favor of one of the other guys because, like, honestly, what we would want for Giddy or J Dub or guys like that is for them to be as good as a guy like Mikhail. Yeah, no, um, but I'm. What I want to understand is where is where is your head and heart on these young guys? Yeah, I, I mean, I, honestly, if I was the one that had to make the decision, I wouldn't do it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So if Brooklyn is ready to say yes to Gideon four picks, you would not I don't pull think the I trigger. Would do it. No. Okay. And suppose that you decided to pull the trigger. Which package are you choosing? Are you leaving Chet, J-Dub, or Giddy? You have to pick one. You have to. <laughs> it's hard, you know. It's uh, tough. It's not easy to say, hey, it's going to be Giddy. As far think, as like a oh. team that fits together, like I think Giddy would be the one that you would trade. I don't think that. Yeah, that's... but you can also say with with Mikel, you have such a great shooting that maybe Giddy is the one that unlocks it all. Yeah, I was gonna say like you could then you could go J Dub or I don't think you would want to trade Chet just because you haven't even seen it yet and the odds like he is the number two overall pick and could be a great great player yeah that's un- he's a- and he's unusual too and like unusual great players typically change the game in some way and you you don't want to give up that opportunity yeah um but boy he would fit so well anyway go go on with your questions yeah i i don't think i would do it today but maybe that's homer it could be dumb it could be real dumb uh but yeah, also I just want to see, you know, give your give your homegrown team a chance to go do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, before you make a move like that. I mean, if they made that move and it was Giddy and four picks, and yeah, but the premise is Shay's asking you to do it. That is a sure. very important part sure, of, sure, of, sure, of the sure, question. Sure. So you can say just say, oh no, Shay, I'm just going to just stay here and watch <laughs> yeah but i asked you to do it yeah so it's also like a power play from shay this is a very very yeah. disturbed universe which i don't want but anyway yeah well if you do that like your defense gets better immediately your offense probably takes a step up and the pecking order looks a little bit different too mm-hmm. um but you're definitely a better team right away also it's because mikhail's 26 you know 27 it's not that old no, no, I'm just saying that like he's he's ready to win now. Is what I'm he's saying. He's starting his prime. Yeah. In compare in comparison to Giddy, who's only 20. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to take a little bit more time with Josh, but Josh could hit a different level, 
and he's just such a different player. It's it's a, it's a hard comp because like obviously if you compare like shooting and defense, like yeah, it's Mikhail all day, but Giddy has such an unusual skill set that it's it's hard to kind of weigh what he could be. Um, okay, last question. Uh, I brought up the idea of trading for Corey Kispert on the OKC Dream Team pod last week. Which just give me your thoughts on that. I just want to know if I, you think it's my a- thinking is I hate you. Like you have great dick right there. Why why just don't pick him instead of like doing all these things to, to get like an older version of, of Great Dick? Oh, I don't I mean I think Kispert <laughs> Are you serious right now? Yep. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I think uh Great Dick is a is a better defender, a taller guy, uh he's a less of a cutter and the same kind of shooter. Hmm. Younger. But I would love to trade for Corey Kispert. Because I, I actually love the idea of getting a Corey Kisper type of yeah. guy in the draft. So I'm all in. Um, what I would play for a guy like that, um, I don't know. I would I, I would not sweat over uh, a lightly or a top 15 protected, top 12 protected first round pick. To me, it's it's an asset that I can't give away, especially in 2024. I don't think that Washington does it, by the way. Uh, they would want like the Philip the Philip pick or one of the Phoenix's picks, some pick later. Did you the, trade the Utah Jazz pick this year? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would do that. Um, I would also try to put something else in the in the deal, like um, maybe Trey Man, uh, and uh, just to clear space and to to have like a a guy uh, that I again to me. The thing that I'm not completely trusting Corey Kispert is the defensive side, and that is why I think that Gradic offers me a little bit more on that end, Staller. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you can't probably put Isaiah Joe and Corey Kispert on the same at the same time on the floor. Whereas I I had hopes during the draft preparation that um, you could you could have like a decent defense with Gradic or on. Not the same basketball IQ, not the same passing level, which mm-hmm. is why I think you are suggesting Kispert mm-hmm. compared to a guy like Ray Dick. Um, but I don't think that that role necessarily needs to have a ton of, hey, like this is the defense, just read and do something. To me, it's more, hey, just 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 space the floor for me and just hit trees yeah. at a high rate, take trees at a high rate, which is something that if you're a tall player, you can do. But again, all in into getting guys that can do uh, a lot of stuff with their movement and with their shooting because we have seen in so many competitions including FIBA that the space for Shea is the A1 thing. Mm-hmm. I was talking about um, basketball with a very wise man that I will not name um, and we were discussing a player that is very physical and very good at getting to the basket in the NBA and uh, we we're discussing which one was more important, making decision with the basketball or shooting the basketball. Um, and we came to the conclusion that on one end, recognizing the situation and making the right decision is very important, but also like being a good shooter allows you to have the defense on his heels and allows you for easier decisions. So I would not, I, I'm not able today to pick um one of the two skills because it's it depending on how good of a shooter you are compared to how t- 
terrible of a decision maker you are. Um, but both will allow for a lot. And and and, and again, um, this is why I, I don't think that drafting a, a guy like Gray Dick was out of the question for OKC because I think that they will need that kind of shooting. And so, yay for Kispert. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting. I wouldn't expect anything like that to happen, but, you know, I'm just thinking of, like, how can they add shooting? Washington is probably willing to trade pretty much whoever Mm -hmm. on the team outside of Koulibaly. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of wonder. For now. Yeah. For now. now. Uh, All right. Thanks so much for joining us early here on a Sunday morning. Uh, shout out again to the Canadians for the the win and to Shea for finishing off just a outrageously great summer for him. Hey, so, bronze medal. That's great. Yeah, it's good. It's very, very good. Um, so I hope you guys have a, a great rest of your Sunday and Monday, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.